Ahoy! You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we are chit-chatting with Michael Luciani, Managing Partner at Climate Capital. We're going to be talking about where great climate tech deal flow comes from, why liquidity opportunities are few and far between, and how to work with other funders to pool investment capital for higher potential exits. Enjoy. Welcome back, y'all. Um... I hope you enjoyed Tap Rooms. We're going to get the event started here, if I can find the slides. If you're new, here's what you can expect. This is a weekly event, so this is the 177th time we've done this. We're going to ever so briefly talk about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse Funds. We're going to have a fireside chat with Mr. Michael Luciani talking about all things climate tech and then we're going to do two more rounds of breakout rooms kind of similar to what you just did because this is well three quarters of our time is networking small groups of four five six pretty much the audience is all alternative investors of one flavor or another so it's a chance for you to meet them in a rapid fire manner we do want you to learn a little bit which is why we have our dear michael on with us today if you like the networking aspect of this november 1st in chicago landon top is putting on an in-person version kind of like this but you know fewer speakers uh less zoom more in person and more alcohol so come join us if you're in that neck of the woods. I think actually I will be there. So uh, yeah, you're going to meet me in person, which most of you have not. Uh, Diffuse Funds is a fund platform. Uh, our big push right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is a market cap weighted index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies spot. Uh, we are publicly listed, so if you want to learn a little bit more about that and how to get a little bit of the GP for that, hit us up and we can uh, figure it out. We're all expecting a Bitcoin spot ETF any day now, so uh, yeah, it could be a timely, timely time to have that conversation. Timely time, nailing it. But with that, Mr. Luciani, welcome. Thank you for joining us here today. Do you want to unmute yourself and tell the good folks? A bit about about your background and what you're up to over at Climate Capital. Sure. Yeah, happy to. And uh, thanks for having me. So let's see. I grew up in Michigan, uh, went to Williams College out in Massachusetts, and then moved to D.C. after school. And I've been here ever since. Uh, started out working in the Obama administration and then uh, started a software company that made infrastructure for campaigns and advocacy organizations to do better voter contact and volunteer outreach. I was lucky enough to start that company, you know, right after Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. And there was like you know, a lot of interest in that kind of uh, tech at the time. And so I, I had no idea how lucky I was, but I had some really, really amazing kind of angel investors uh, support that. So we had Reid Hoffman, um, Dustin Moskowitz, Eric Schmidt, and Chris Saka on the cap table. And Chris Saka is the operative name because, you know, I was in contact with them over the life cycle of that company and got to see his family office kind of transform into what is now lower carbon capital. And after I sold the company to Bloomberg Philanthropies, I said, hey, you know, it turns out entrepreneurship is a heck of a lot better way to make a positive impact in the world than politics and policy. Like I want to go work with early stage climate startups. And I got involved with the kind of building out the climate capital syndicate, which has become the largest 
kind of most prolific um, climate investor at the early stage in the world in terms of you know number of investments, not total dollars, but early stage number of investments. And we have now started adding kind of dedicated thesis specific funds under the climate capital brand. Um, I run one of those funds and over the last couple of years have, you know, not only learned a lot about the state of affairs for climate tech, but the federal government especially has passed a lot of legislation that really uh, affects that market, mostly in positive ways. Um, And so hopefully, you know, I'll get to tell you a little bit about that and answer any questions you have as you might think about investing in any sort of climate uh, oriented startup. Love it. A bit of a meandering career. Um, serial entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to start describing yourself after the next one, right? <laughs> Just like do things. Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So you got, so let's, let's start with lay of the land, right? We don't talk about climate tech too terribly much here on Diffuse Tap. So what's the status quo? You'd mentioned the federal government's kind of what are the, what are the trends? What are the, the buzzwords people should be paying attention to? Yeah. So I think when most people who are not familiar with climate tech think about climate tech, they think about, you know, folks shutting off coal-fired power plants and setting up solar panels. Um, And in reality, that is all how we generate electricity. And electricity generation only accounts for about a quarter of global annual emissions. The remainder of emissions come from how we make physical goods and how we feed ourselves, and then how we move those two things around the world. So that's 75% of emissions that come down to like largely food and ag, transportation, and uh, manufacturing. And so there are significantly more kind of touch points for this industry uh, than just electricity generation. I think that when you're looking forward, there are two big things to look out for. One, like electricity generation, the story is largely played out there. It's not yet, you know, we have not moved over to renewable energy. However, the technology is very mature, right? Deploying solar is more cost-effective today than any other, um, you know, type of electricity generation. So pure market forces uh, Wait, is that true? That's actually really that. surprising to me. It's more, is that only in sunny climates or is it actually just kind of across the board, solar is a more effective way to get energy? Across the board. So if you're thinking to yourself, should I build a coal powered power plant or solar panels? As I you will just make more money um, building solar panels, no matter where you are. And if you look at the developing world, those are countries that are not motivated by you know ESG subsidies. They don't have that internally. Um, they're just building solar because it's cheaper. I would never have guessed that. So even without the subsidies, it's cheaper to do solar panels. All right, that is, I learned something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, and in the US, obviously, these are heavily subsidized. So it's an absolute no-brainer would be the argument. Yeah, the, the, the challenge in the US is just with zoning more than anything else. Like wherever you want to build solar panels, you're going to have uh, to go through, uh, you know, kind of ironically, um, environmental reviews and you're going to have to figure out, you know, what are the stakeholders around that land that can be difficult. Um, but the kind of market forces are all aligned there to make it very profitable. Mm-hmm. So as such, like there's not 
there there is certainly relatively good return to be made there, but not the hundred x kind of venture capital return that we look for at Climate Capital. Um, that's much more of like a mature infrastructure financing play that is being largely pursued by like private equity. Gotcha. Okay. So what are the types of technologies that, that you're seeing now and you're excited by? Is is regenerative economy? That's a term I've heard thrown around a little bit. Is that uh, is that kind of what you're what you're looking at, and, or where you go? Where are you looking? So most of what I look at today is actually uh, biotech, and that might sound strange because if you're like me from five years ago, you probably are thinking like vaccines and pharmaceuticals, but that accounts for pharmaceuticals and therapies account for about. 40% of biotech, the other 60 is 30% food and ag, 30% manufacturing, um, which aligns pretty well with the big segments that need to be decarbonized. And the interesting thing about biotech is it's going through something of an inflection point like semiconductors and you know the internet. So what I mean by that is the underlying technology for biotech is how do we read, write, and edit the DNA of an organism. Think about that as like the code base for organic life. And in the same way that when, as we learn to read, write, and edit digital code bases with Moore's Law more cheaply and more quickly, we saw huge amounts of innovation with the internet. The cost to read, write, and edit DNA has gone down significantly faster than even Moore's Law. So many of you might think back to like the early 2000s and there was a human genome project and it was this whole big like multi-nation thing, cost billions of dollars. We were going to sequence the human genome for the first time. Um, I think it ended up costing like three, $3 billion and it was in 2003, I think they finished it. Mm-hmm. Today, 20 years later, um, you can do that entire entirety of the sequencing of a human genome uh, for 200 bucks. It's grad school homework. It takes about an hour. Um, so as that continues to drop in cost, um, there are significant improvements that can be made with biomanufacturing for how we make chemicals, how we make alternatives to plastic. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to get too technical, so I guess I'm going to stop myself there, but I can, I'm certainly happy to explain more about that if, if people are interested and yeah, um, well, back to you. Maybe a, a a concrete example, like what um, people in the chat are talking a lot about actual construction materials um, being more cost effective and probably better insulators. Is that an area where you're seeing this biotech actually applied or do you have like a something people can can sink their teeth into? Yeah. So one um, interesting application is like people using my engineered mycelium to create insulation for homes or engineered algae to actually create like what ends up becoming kind of a epoxy that goes on windows to make them more insulated, as well as even weird things like people engineering algae to create calcium carbonate. Um, and, and extraction of calcium carbonate is normally what causes most of the CO2 generation from the creation of concrete. So if you can get that in a carbon negative way instead of a carbon positive way, you actually um, can reduce a huge amount of carbon emissions. And there are other approaches to all of these things, right? Um, people are doing novel chemistries. People are doing novel manufacturing. Uh, all of these are kind of converging 
And certainly all of them are accelerated by the fact that you can now model much of this complexity on your laptop um, before you go and try to build something. But you know, I, th I think that we're seeing people build, kind of rethink how we make everything. Uh, and often because of the state of play in technology, the new answers that are appearing are not just more sustainable, but they are just more efficient from a cost perspective and more effective in terms of their utility, which makes them positive to invest in. Okay. And I got to say, Kenny, I haven't been keeping track of the chat. So um, if there are other things I should oh, yeah, you know, talk about perfect, from there, tell me. Queuing. I'll pick up a question from uh, Winkler, and this is a chance for you to plug as well. Mycelium, that's a word I kind of know. I'd have to go to Google mm. on that. So I'm guessing a lot of what you're investing in is 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 early stage, given the the size of your fund and the number of deals. How kind of research, you know, tied to academia is this, or is it just kind of a novel application of a more established stuff? And then also what stage companies are you investing in? Got it. So we are generally investing in pre-seed and seed stage companies. So we're very early. And that's because, you know, in the venture world, that is where we want to grab lots of ownership and we want to look for those 100x outliers. So it's, it's a different model than, you know, the private equity or publicly funded kind of solar deployment that I mentioned earlier. Definitely. From the perspective of kind of where these companies come from, a lot do come out of academia. So we have a grant, kind of, I guess, tying in some of the federal involvement. We just received a large grant from the federal government to mm -hmm. kind of put together an incubator for climate and biotech companies spinning out of academia to kind of learn how to be good entrepreneurs, learn how to connect with investors like you all, because many of them have been doing a PhD for like the last seven years and have no idea how to build a company. The flip side of that though is, again, with kind of the government funding, we rarely invest in companies that haven't already had multiple millions of dollars in grant funding. Um, so there's a, a huge amount of de-risking that can happen uh, because of those kind of government support programs. And one of the biggest misconceptions in this space actually is, I think, the capital intensity. So I think a lot of investors come to climate tech and think, man, like software is awesome. You know, <laughs> there's, it's very capital efficient. You can scale it forever. Like, why would I invest in physical, you know, a physical process? Why would I invest in hardware? But at the end of the day, hardware and physical things are where the climate problem and opportunity lies, which again is like, an opportunity about the size of the entire global economy. So multiple trillions of dollars and worth worth addressing. And in today, with all of the new kind of government funding, as well as many private sector initiatives, you have much easier paths to scale that are more capital efficient than most investors realize. Because I can invest at a pre-seed or seed stage company that's already received $10 million in grant funding to de-risk their technology. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as they scale up and get proofs of concept, they can then go to other government programs and receive, you know, non-dilutive capital grants or just uh, loans to build a proof of concept plant and to scale up. And so you certainly do have a high higher capital intensity with than software, but there is now a robust ecosystem where that capital does not all have to come from equity. Mm -hmm. And so 
investors aren't diluted and the returns still make sense. That's fascinating. So kind of give me an idea. So a company that's taken $10 million in grants, you're coming in equity financing, you're doing pre-seed, right? Helping them, they're going through your incubator. Like what type of valuation, I'm putting my venture capitalist hat on here. What type of valuation do you actually get on the equity piece? Yeah, so... I mean, there's a huge range, um, but we, with our fund, and I'm going to just drop a bunch of links in the chat while I'm thinking right. about it. With our fund, we invest in companies that are anywhere between $3 million in their kind of valuation cap, since it's usually on a safe or a convertible note, to I think like $24 million is the largest we've done from our, our fund. Um, and that's a big range, but it depends on, you know, where the company's at and, and their traction. Sure. And that's what we'll look at. So you can have a company that, you know, worst case scenario, we're talking about $10 million in grant financing and you're coming in investing in a 25 million. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. And then obviously the the government, I'm assuming most of these programs that are providing the non-dilutive financing, these are kind of the, the government net zero initiatives. And this is a way for them to execute on that or... Where is that non-dilutive financing coming from? Yeah, so a lot of it comes from ARPA. ARPA is like a play off of the DARPA program, the Defense Advanced Research. It's like Advanced Research XYZ. So there's ARPA-E, ARPA-C, ARPA-HESTIA. They have all, the government, largely through the Department of Energy, has a whole bunch of programs that, mm -hmm. that will fund these types of initiatives. And then on the other side of the equation, for many of these companies, they are generative of either tax credits or their consumers receive some sort of subsidy from mm. the federal government in a lot of the new legislation that's been passed. So not only do they kind of get a boost where they're just getting money to de-risk their technology, but often their customers get an extra boost to buy what they're selling. So I have a company we invested in. They basically use engineered microbes to make carbon negative industrial chemicals. Cool. Like big market, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, not very sexy, not something people think about often. Um, but they can make these chemicals identical to what you'd make in a oil derived process. Uh, but it's about a hundred times cheaper than the alternative. And it is about 400 times more uh, sustainable. So like less energy intensive. And they not only get to sell a product that's identical to a commodity, you know, buyer that doesn't care, only price sensitive, got a lot more margin there. But that buyer also then has the ability to collect tax credits when they switch suppliers, right? And so they have this secondary incentive. And that's really powerful for just uh, yeah. increasing the pace of change. Totally. It's cheaper and in some sense, revenue generating. Fascinating. Okay. We never have enough time. And this chat was actually quite lively. And I did a terrible job of getting to everybody's questions. But uh, thanks for putting them in. Um, but we're going to do a breakout room. Um, in between breakout rooms, Michael, we pretty much always ask the same question, which is going to be very easy for you, uh, which is tell us the future. What are you excited by one specific thing, maybe a technology that's coming down the pipe? Um, and you do get brownie points uh, if the audience has not heard about it before. But for the tap rooms, which y'all are about to go into, a couple of housekeeping items, networking, not pitching. 
be kind to one another. And then we do not do a full participant list. So if you meet somebody you want to connect with, do business with, whatever, uh, swap details then and there, or join our Telegram group. I believe Mr. Luciani's in there as well. And he can answer some of the questions that I did not get to here, or he did not get to here. Um, here's a rough format for the breakout rooms or the tap rooms, if you want to follow it or not. And the topic to discuss is... What do you think is the reason why climate tech kind of lost its luster in the last couple of years. A little bit of backward analysis there or hypothesizing. I'll pop you back into rooms and we'll see you back here. Welcome back, folks. We had a good chat about conservation credits in our room. I hope you guys also learned something new. Uh, but Mr. Luciani, back over to you as threatened. Tell us the future. What are you excited by? And uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. I, I think that we are moving towards a future where we can make everything we want to make uh, a pro-growth future that doesn't use oil, basically. You know, so so any sort of organic molecule, which is what petrochemicals are derived from and oils derived from, we're making with chemistry and biology without needing to have both the geopolitical and environmental concerns that come from oil. And it's coming faster than you think it's going to be here. Um, so I have a fun job. I get to, I have one of the few jobs that lets me be optimistic about climate change. Um, but there is a lot to be optimistic about. And I think that we will certainly see a lot of innovation that that's going to save a lot of lives. Cool. That is a very optimistic and uh, y'all heard it here first. Uh, short, non-diversified Middle Eastern economies. I think is what I heard there. Isla, are you ready with another topic for the next breakout room? Absolutely. So we'll just kind of piggyback on that question that Kelly just posed, which is what are some of the interesting climate tech innovation that you all have seen in the last year or so? Anything that comes to mind that is worth sharing? You should be seeing invitation for a room. All right. Awesome. Well, we are going to do a quick wrap up. Well, if I can find the right slide here, wait for it. There we go. Um, up next, new cities for new prosperity. Um, yeah, come check it out in uh, whatever, six days, 23 hours or so. Uh, Diffuse Tap in person November 1st. Come meet some of the folks you've only seen in 2D. You can see them in 3D. So make that happen if you can. Telegram, join it, introduce yourself, ask all those burning questions we didn't have a chance to get to in the conversation here today. But Mr. Luciani, you want to unmute yourself and uh, plug. Stage is yours. Where do you want to send? Thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun. I would love to answer any questions that people have that I didn't get to talk about. There was some fun stuff in the chat. My big plug, I'm going to put it here in the chat and I'll put it on Telegram, is I am like, you know, midway through raising my fund, Climate Capital's bio fund, the one that I was talking about pre-seed and seed stage. It's a $10 million fund. So it's geared towards individuals and family offices. I put the link to our info on that fund in the chat. If it's interesting to you, or if you know somebody that might get a kick out of it, I'm looking to talk to everyone and anyone who I can. I will also put down my email again, and I'm happy you know, to stay in touch with everybody. Cool. And for those of you who are listening and not here, uh, angel.co forward slash I forward slash A-L-U-S 2-U is the shortened link. Check it out. Um, but thank you very much, Mr. Luciani, for sharing some of your wisdom here today. And I hope one of these people, uh, one or two of the, the attendees, uh, take you up on the fund. Isla, were there any talking points that I missed out on? No. 
we will all see you folks next time. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for coming. I uh, look forward to keep the conversation going. We'll see you in about a week. All right. Bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.